0: Because I have on the program, and I and I hope you won't hang up after I say this, somebody who I have an online crush on. I'm married, okay, so we got to be clear. Uh, my husband is jealous. and My husband's completely jealous. He knows. He knows I got dressed up to be on radio today, even though Kurt can't see me. Uh, Kurt and Ike, uh, Kurt Eichenwald is our guest. Kurt is a senior writer at Newsweek. If you do not follow him on Twitter, you are missing out. Not only is this man a New York Times bestselling author of not one, not two, but three books, not only did he previously work for 20 years as the Times, at the Times for, as an investigative reporter, a columnist, and a senior writer, but he's a two-time winner of the George Polk Award for Excellence in Journalism. He had a Pulitzer Prize as a finalist in, 2000 and, in 2002. That's two uh, finalists in the Pulitzer Prize category. But you, you got to read his articles. He does such investigative reporting. He has unfolded and uncovered so much about Donald Trump, which I think we as voters need to know. In this campaign and his tweets oh my god kurt they make me tingle kurt eichenwald is on the show kurt i do have an online crush i, I do you see i do you think i'm stalking you with the amount of retweeting that i do of your tweets
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, i've never heard of anybody having an online crush but
0: wow <laughs> yes yes i do i do i't I have an online crush with your mind and your writing, your intellect and your your snarkiness i just I just love it I love it I really do it 's very sexy to me thank you kurt <laughs> and and for being on the show and for, and for doing all the great uh, work uh, that 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 you do i mean could seriously i sometimes I wake up in the morning and I realize that this is real Kurt I mean this is not a dream that just you know time after time after time. And it's just a domino effect with regard to uncovering more of the sleaziness, it would seem, the character of Donald Trump or at least the inner workings of the corporation that he sits at the head of. Um, So let's talk about a story that uh, you broke, and let's outline it for people because I don't think everybody fully understands uh, Donald Trump, his corporation, his company, and how he violated the United States embargo against Cuba And what that means, not only to Cuban Americans in South Florida, uh, certainly a battleground in swing state, uh, but what that means to the rest of us, just as normal tax-paying, voting Americans.
1: Well, the biggest thing it means is that the uh, Republican nominee for president is a lawbreaker, and he lies about it, Um, to put it as simply as possible. Um, The way this happened is in uh, 1998, uh, Trump's Only public company was struggling. It had already been in bankruptcy uh, three times. It was about headed for its fourth. And they decided that they desperately needed to find other avenues of making money. Um, The Cuban embargo was in place. And under the Cuban embargo, uh, no American is allowed to spend a dollar in Cuba. You can't go there without a government license. You have to have. If you do get a government license, you have to have uh, like a charity sponsoring you in order. In order, and they pay for everything. It has to be an off, like a foreign country charity. It can't be an American charity. So the end point being that uh, the United States is not providing any money to Cuba, and the embargo has an impact. Uh, Trump's company, with Trump's knowledge, uh, sent uh, some representatives through a consulting firm uh, into Cuba to meet with members of the Castro government, to meet with uh, bankers, to meet with business folks, and to basically feel out whether or not um, they could do some sort of deal down there. Um, There was talk at that point of the uh, embargo being being loosened. It, it wasn't. Uh, but they spent, remember, you can't spend a dollar without breaking the law. They spent $68,000. Now, how you spend $68,000 in Cuba, I can't explain. But um, in the, the, And the big problem here is after they were done, after they came back, after all the money was paid out in February of 1999, um, a few months later, Trump decides to run for president, and he starts off by opening his campaign with Cuban-Americans, saying, I totally support the embargo, and every dollar a company spends in Cuba goes to Fidel Castro, who's a murderer, and I would never spend any money in Cuba. You know, this guy just flies close to the flame all the time. He's standing there lying to them, knowing he's lying to them, and he didn't have to start his
0: campaign with a lie. Well, I agree. And in addition to that, so that people understand, you know, constantly we, we hear people on the right call lefties like myself socialist or even communist. But in reality, their nominee, the Republican nominee for president of the United States, secretly conducted business in Cuba, a communist country, communist Cuba, uh, during the presidency of Fidel Castro. Not, not just uh, a communist. Uh, but somebody that inflicted great harm upon his people, if you ask anybody here in the United States who fled Cuba, whether they're in the uh, Metairie outside of uh, New Orleans or they're in South Florida – and I lived in South Florida. I know many of these people. Um, you know the, the regime that they, they lived under, the reason they fled was because not, – not just communism, but certainly because of uh, the dictatorship of uh, Fidel Castro within that communist regime.
1: Yeah, I mean, and and the thing is, I mean, we look at it, I mean, the statute of limitations has run. Uh, Nobody can be prosecuted now. Back at the time, um, you know, people could have been prosecuted and served five years in prison. Um, But you have to add on top of that, you know, the Cuban-American community in Florida was a prop, a prop used by Donald Trump to advance his 1999 White House bid. And, you know, the amount of cynicism that takes. I mean, I'll actually, I've, I've come out today with a news story that you don't know about uh, that just went up online on Newsweek.com uh, that, um, you know, Trump's been stomping around the Rust Belt saying China's stealing all our jobs and I'll make America great again and we'll stop China. And it ends up that in his last number of uh, uh construction projects uh, he was buying chinese steel through a series of holding companies that you know ultimately disguised where where the steel was coming from so once again he's dealing with a communist country he's undermining the very people he's speaking to with you know the the very people he's promising things he's done it to the cuban americans he's done it to blue collar workers in the rust belt And I I am really hard-pressed to understand how anyone considers anything that comes out of this man's mouth to be the truth.
0: Uh, I agree 100%. We're going to take a break, and we're going to continue uh, with our guest here on the Only True Democracy and Talk Radio. He'll be with us a little bit more if you have questions or comments uh, for this great writer, senior writer at Newsweek magazine, Kurt Eichenwald. Please follow him on Twitter. You will learn a lot. I have, and I enjoy it. Uh, and quite frankly it was very informative. You don't need to be a Hillary supporter or liberal democrat or progressive like myself. Follow him on Twitter at Kurt Eichenwald. K-U-R-T-E-I-C-H-E-N-W-A-L-D. The website for Newsweek is Newsweek.com. Back with Kurt. Back with you right after this. Don't go away. We're back on this Monday. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy and Talk Radio. And I gotta tell you, Geico has been saving people money for over seventy-five years. Joining us, as I said, is senior writer at Newsweek, Kurt Eichenwald. Kurt is a New York Times bestselling author of three books. Previously, he worked for 20 years at the Times as investigative reporter, columnist, and senior writer. He's a two-time winner of the George Polk Award for Excellence in Journalism, and he was a finalist for the Pulitzer Prize in both 2000 and 2002. More than a pleasure to have the guy that broke uh, the story about Donald Trump in Cuba, and also another story that we're going to talk about in just a minute um, here with Kurt. Kurt, thank you for holding, and welcome back. Uh, Despite the fact that your story came out, um, a couple of things happened. And if you look at the cover of Newsweek, you have uh, the Castro Connection and Trump's face, how Trump's company violated the U.S. embargo against Cuba. Uh, Despite that, despite the facts that you have, uh, the response by the candidate Donald Trump and even his staff to this revelation that one of his companies illegally violated the Cuban trade embargo during the presidency of Fidel Castro, um, it's it's a big problem for him, um, but quite frankly, he won't tell the truth about this. He and his camp still deny it, correct?
1: Well, no. If you actually listen to them very carefully, they don't. They don't. They're they're very good at crafting denials of of things, in with a, intended to trick people. What Trump said is, you know, I've never been to Cuba. I didn't say he was. I've never done a deal in Cuba. I didn't say he did. He will never say I didn't dispatch consultants to Cuba. To have them and had them illegally spend sixty eight thousand dollars to meet with Castro government officials, etc. And he won't say that because that's what's real. That's what's true. And you know, it's one of these amazing circumstances where there's a single document that proves the entire thing. And you know, I've tweeted it out a number of times. It's attached to um, all of the stories. I've written several about Trump and Cuba. And, um, you know, what's interesting is his own campaign manager went on The View and said, oh, Trump never did a deal in Cuba. He just, you know, spent money (laughs) (laughs) to just confess that he committed a crime. Um, And so, you know, it's the problem of of this election is that many, many, many of these kinds of stories would have knocked out any other candidate. And there is this Odd approach that that Trump has and his supporters allow, where he just stands up and lies, or stands up and deceives them in, in very bad and obvious ways, and it's just accepted and
0: everyone moves on. And, and interestingly, a lot of people don't know, like you know, behind the curtain at Oz, so to speak, that both the Trump campaign staff and the Trump organization, um, you guys. At Newsweek, you you told them days before that you were about to publish this article, and you even disclosed what it was about. Am I correct in that? Right,
1: right. I was trying to get—actually, that was one of the funnier things about it. Um, You know, one of the things that happens with journalism is you you call them up. You say, this is what I'm doing. This is what it's about. And a smart uh, uh, group of people will call you up. And try and get as much information as they can about the piece. And a journalist is obligated to tell them as much as you can about the piece. And you know, even if they're not going to comment, then they go away and they get ready to respond. Well, they didn't respond. They didn't return any phone calls. They just ran off and started checking the files and uh, of, of uh, the Trump organization. And the night that the story was. Uh, uh, it actually broke on the Rachel Maddow show. She yes. revealed what was coming. And 15 minutes later, um, Trump sicked one of his lawyers on me, saying, we've searched the files of the Trump organization. None of these documents are here. You better not publish this, blah, 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 blah. And I responded, you searched the wrong company. Which <laughs> you did. It wasn't. It wasn't the Trump organization. It was Trump hotels and casino resorts, and so you know, it just they went. They went radio silent after that, um, and after a while, after we didn't initially publish any any of the documents, and it was finally after after uh, Corey Cory Lewandowski denied it, who's his former campaign manager and his current campaign manager denied it and Trump denied it, we just started, you know, putting out documents going, they're all lying. And they are lying.
0: No, absolutely. I mean, you show an invoice that has the amount charged by a consultant, a clear designation. It was for business dealings in Cuba, references to how Trump employees might disguise the purpose of the trip to make it appear that it was connected to a charity. I mean, the list the list just goes on. Uh, before I talk about China, steel, and aluminum, uh, there have been people that accuse you and others in the media – but you most uh, definitely by the Trump trollers, and you know this. I even watch what you say about those trolling you on Twitter from the Trump side, who support Trump, um, of, of sitting on these stories. And, you know, I'm a talk show host. I give my opinion. I'm paid to opine. But back in the day when I was a journalist and just reported facts, as you are, um, it, you're not going to sit on a story that is so no. juicy, especially because when you've got it and you got it first, you're going to run with it. So people understand that. Could you please speak to that, Kurt? Sure.
1: Um, I mean, I'll give an example. Today's story, um, um, there are three uh, 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 projects that I was looking into. And I found that he used Chinese steel and aluminum in two of them. and I was about to you know start digging in on the third and I thought, ah forget it. I'm just going to do the two. <laughs> so, you know, so as soon as I had it, um, you know, and as soon as I decided I'm just I'm just going to you know, move on. I called my boss and said this morning. I called my boss and said I have this story and I'm writing it and I delivered it and you know, he said you are a machine. <laughs> so, as soon as I'm able to nail down a story I write it and if people would go back and look at what I've been doing, Since July, when I really started writing, I think that was the first time I started writing about the Trump Organization. Um, The stories have been pretty relentless. I mean, they've been, yes. I I don't think I've gone for a week without a story. And so, um, you know, people are saying I sat on it until October. You know, the problem is they just haven't been paying attention to what I've been doing.
0: Uh, this story, by the way, broke today at uh, two o'clock Eastern Time. If I'm correct, am I correct in that, Kurt, or Did it break earlier? I don't know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there's so many, so many times, so many stories break. I can't keep track, right? Um, but uh, I, I want to talk about this. This is a, a big deal. I mean, uh, we have a problem with uh, an import-export deficit in this country. Uh, we have a problem with companies buying things, steel especially, uh, from China. And we have a guy who stood up there in the first debate and said one of, if not the most important issues uh, in the economy that needs to be fixed, needs to be changed, are the exports of jobs that are are going to places like China and Mexico. One of the things I was very angry, I was sitting there screaming at the television, uh, was that Hillary didn't call him out on that uh, you know, and mentioning how many of the Trump products are made in China or made in Mexico. I was in Washington after the Trump Hotel opened, and I I had to just go in. Uh, just curious, and everything I turned over was not made in the United States. You know, lamps, little ashtray or decorative, uh, you know, I, I don't know what they are, Little, pretty little dishes on the table. Well, you know, whatever it was, it was not made, and a lot of people did that uh, in the United States. But let's talk specifically about this story that you broke, and let's talk specifically about uh, steel and aluminum. Donald Trump ditched the United States steel workers in favor of, of China. This is a man who is polling very well compared to Hillary with blue collar workers. And these blue collar workers believe that Trump's going to fight off our adversaries in, in trade here in the United States. He's going to reinvigorate the country's manufacturing industries. He's committed to the Rust Belt. Well, just this alone. I mean, God, could he lose one vote from somebody out there who sees that? His, you know, his lip service it has not been his practice. Um, talk to us ab- about what Donald Trump did here, specifically with regard to steel from China. Well, uh, let me start off by saying,
1: you know, I have known Donald Trump since 1987. Uh, I started in, as a as financial investigative reporter. And um, he was actually the first business executive I ever interviewed. And um, from very, very early on, I knew there was something wrong with this guy. He was never like any other executive I ever spoke to, and I don't mean that in a good way. Um, and one of the things about him that is probably the most disturbing is is his facility at lying. You know, he it, – I spoke to, to someone who, who knows him well the other day who said if you ask Donald, he'd tell you I'm his best friend, which I thought was kind of odd. And I said, well, what would you say about him? He said that he's a clinical sociopath. Um, But, you know, this is somebody who, who is close to the family, is close to Trump. And the problem is that Trump is good at lying. And he has conned lots of people Out of lots of money over the years. And right now, I I feel very badly for them because they don't understand what's happening. Right now, the Trump supporters who think he thinks he, he that he's there to fight for them. I've seen this many, many times with Trump. He's conning them. It's the biggest con he's ever run and they are going to learn if he ever gets into office that he is going to turn his back on them so fast for whatever is expedient. This is a guy who who just walks away from contracts. He's certainly not going to keep his promise. I mean, when he ran for president in 1999, he was running as a liberal, you know, because that was the thing that seemed most likely to work. Right. Now he's running as what he's running now. And I have no idea. I mean, Donald Trump in the White House isn't going to be a Republican or a Democrat. He's going to be Donald Trump, and there's no predicting what that is, Um, which goes back to the question you were asking. Um, You know, the thing that's different about steel versus all the other things, the suits, the ties, the cups, the home products that he has manufactured in China, is that um, the Rust Belt has really suffered. And uh, we're talking about, you know, the engine of major American jobs for many, many decades. And the reason it suffered is because um, there's been a lot of uh, predatory pricing on steel and aluminum by the Chinese. And um, a lot of companies uh, have taken advantage of it. Now There's a huge difference, though, between Donald Trump and a lot of these other companies. Um, these other companies are public companies they are owned by public stockholders as a result the the company has a fiduciary obligation is required by law to act in the best interests of the shareholders and so if they can get a product for less they have to buy it Donald Trump is a private company. The Trump organization is owned by the Trump family. And so when he decides to buy cheaper uh, uh, manufacturing products like steel and aluminum uh, from China, he's not doing it out of any obligation. He's doing it because he wants more money in his bank account. He is – betraying everything he pretends to stand for, which is I'm on the side of the little guy. He's not. He's on the side of whatever works out best for Donald Trump. And, you know, I don't, so I, I don't have any anger at the man. I don't have any, you know, animus against the man. What I have is knowledge of the man. You can't, you can't hang around this guy and know this guy since the late 1980s, and not know exactly what he is, and um, unfortunately, you know, a lot of his supporters who know him from reality TV um, think they know who he is, and they don't.
0: Do you think that any of these stories that you're writing will make a difference in the minds? For example, you know, there are union workers. You know, I was I was one of the keynote speakers for both Teamsters women's conference and men's conference. And um, the women's conference definitely are, you know, going for Hillary and the teamsters um, endorsed her. But when I spoke at the first conference for uh, all teamsters, not just, uh, you know, women, men and women, uh, they had not yet made their endorsement. And there were some people that I spoke to at that convention that, you know, were supporting Trump. And I just could not wrap my head around that. And, and now, and obviously that's the Teamsters, but, you know, steel plays into their world as well, not just the USW. Um, I don't understand how anybody, I mean, could vote for a guy that's been stiffing American workers, specifically American steel workers, on his own construction projects for years. And then when we hear the stories of people, you know, time and time again, day after day, that were stiffed by this man, I, I just don't understand how the American middle class uh, worker, the blue-collar workers rallying around this individual as a candidate. Well,
1: well, there's two things one they didn't know until today that he was stiffing the steel workers yeah I but mean, also he did he didn't, he
0: didn't pay taxes I want to ask you about that too you know you know I, I mean you know, he didn't pay taxes even though you know he used a legal uh, loophole that people want like Hillary Clinton to close uh, then of course there's your story uh, with Cuba then of course there's just the misogynistic uh, you know uh, extremely sexist you know rants at three o'clock in the morning about a former Miss Universe a lie about a sex tape I, mean, I, I I sound like I am on a reality show with just what I'm spouting, not talking about all of the incidents that are coming out uh, about this man running for the position of commander in chief. Well, I think
1: I think the single largest thing that people have to look at is um, and again, this is not new. This is the Donald Trump I know is his complete inability to control himself. You know, Donald Trump, every person who's ever done business with him knows and says and talks about it. He's not respected in the business community. Uh, and, and again, this is something that people, you know, in everyday life aren't going to know. He's, he's looked on and has always been looked on as a buffoon, uh, somebody who has daddy's money. And the, the, the problem here is, You have somebody, just when you look at him, it doesn't matter what he's saying. It doesn't matter at all. You have to look at how this man behaves. He doesn't have self-control. He has delusions of grandeur. I know more about ISIS than the generals. I know more about the tax code than anybody. I am the best businessman ever. Oh, I am the greatest builder ever. You know, he has um a level of narcissism that is frightening he lies with a facility that i've I've never seen in any other human being in my life and people want to go oh but hillary it's like no not oh but hillary we're talking about a man who will say one sentence in a speech and then contradict it later in the speech we used to have a rule at the new york times that when donald and it was called the trump rule that when Donald Trump said, let me go on background, which means he's going to talk and tell you something and not you know, not attribute it to him, that we were required to stop taking notes. The reason why is because when Donald Trump said, let me go on background, that was his tell that he was about to start lying. Um, and, and so, you know, the, this is not a stable individual this is not a man you know i do not believe it has nothing to do with liberal or conservative i do not believe the united states of america will survive a donald trump presidency
0: I'm, if donald I'm trump wondering.
1: was running yeah if donald trump was running as the democratic nominee if he was if if he was you know remember he was you know a, a, a very liberal candidate in in 1999 so if he was playing that role now rather than the one he's chosen Uh, and somehow ended up as the Democratic nominee, and he was running against Mike Pence, I would vote for Pence. Because it doesn't matter what somebody's policies are if what you're doing is running against a crazy man. I agree. And, you know, Donald Trump, it it doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter what people think he'll do. You know, he'll stab everybody in the back at the first opportunity— and he is not
0: stable. He, I, I agree. And, he, and for all those reasons, and we are out of time, for all those reasons, you should not uh, be president. Keep keep the great articles coming, Kurt. I love them. I know America and the world do as well. Uh, Kurt Eichenwald has been our guest, uh, my online crush. Kurt Eichenwald, K-U-R-T-E-I-C-H-E-N-W-A-L-D. Follow him on Twitter at Kurt Eichenwald. Website, Newsweek.com. Senior writer at Newsweek.